You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the Editor-in-Chief over at ArrowheadPride.com. Once again, joined by my esteemed Deputy Editor, John Dixon. John, it's Thursday, June 25th. How's your week going, man? Uh, Pretty good so far. Uh, Just being overwhelmed by all the coronavirus news. Yeah, we are... It feels like the Pacific Ocean, and we're in California riding these waves. We, we, we weren't sure that the, the second wave would be coming. The first wave may not be over. This is not my area of expertise. That's, that's the one thing I, I will say. It's not anybody's area of expertise. That's the problem. Except, that's except the problem. For the, except for the experts. And there's multiple experts. There, there's experts that have mm-hmm. differing opinions, which doesn't help either. Luckily, it isn't up to me and you to decide what this country is going to do. But what we can do for you is talk about your Kansas City Chiefs. We are in the dead of the offseason, as we explained last episode. There isn't going to be a ton of new news, but the news that we do have will run through on this show today. I know that some of you guys liked last man in, first man out for the offense last episode. We're not going to do that for the defense until Tuesday. So on this show, we'll get into some of Eric Bieniemy's comments coming out of the quarterback summit, the third annual quarterback summit that took place online this year because of the coronavirus. We have our first coronavirus cancellation in the NFL. John has a theory on how maybe that could impact the Chiefs and what they do as they approach this very, very unique season. Danian Tomlinson weighs in on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We'll go through ESPN and PFF's rankings for the Chiefs. This is something they do before the season every year. And of course, the best Chiefs thing we heard all week. But let's start with the biggest story, I think, of the week. And this is something we sort of knew, but things that I had been hearing, we weren't sure it was going to be official. It is finally official. The Kansas City Chiefs will not be having training camp in St. Joseph. It'll instead be in Kansas City. We first heard about this in early June. I believe it was June 2nd. So as of today, that's 23 days ago, 22 days since we get the official word from the Kansas City Chiefs. Here was their statement. When the NFL announced a new policy requiring all training camps to be held at team facilities, we looked at every avenue to return to Missouri Western State University, including making a detailed appeal to the league. We were looking forward to returning to St. Joe as we prepare to defend our Super Bowl title, but unfortunately, as conditions have evolved nationally, we have decided that our best option is to conduct training camp at the University of Kansas Health System Training Complex this season. 
We appreciate the overwhelming support of Chiefs Kingdom and the St. Joe community and look forward to returning to Missouri Western State University in preparation for the 2021 season. I joked on Twitter yesterday, John, that the words detailed appeal for Clark Hunt speak means listen. New York. Listen, NFL League office, we are not too happy about this decision. We were hoping that we could go to St. Joe and you will not let us. Yeah, we had an inkling this was going on, of course, but we didn't have solid reportable information on it. But it was pretty obvious the Chiefs were trying to get the NFL to change its mind. And I think there might have been some other teams that were willing to do that. Andy Reid is well known for loving having a remote training camp and you can expect him to fight for it. If, uh, if they want to take it away from him. And that's what we saw here. Yeah, the, the logic, it's just a little bit backward because I think the way the Chiefs are looking at it is if you have it in Kansas City, guys are going home, they're going to restaurants, maybe they're going to the park with their kids. You're probably exposed to more people as opposed to, all right, you test them as soon as they get to St. Joe. Maybe they don't leave for 18 days. Who knows if they're even going to have a game? We'll get to that in a second where... You know, when is the, the first preseason game? We have no idea at this point. I understand that there's a schedule. We have no idea. So then you keep them up there and, and perhaps there's a, a lesser chance that you contract the coronavirus and don't have to halt the operation, as they say. So instead, the league is forcing them to be in Kansas City. They were one of 10 teams last year that still traveled. The other 22 teams have it at their facilities anyway. So not a big change when you look at the league as a whole, but this does indeed impact your Kansas City Chiefs. And you know, that might be part of what prompted this decision by the NFL is that they may have seen that in this particular season, the teams that conducted their training camps remotely, where they had a little more control over what their players did off the practice field, would give them a competitive advantage that the other teams didn't have. So maybe that was the NFL's thinking, the Chiefs saying, oh, we could do a better job controlling the spread of the coronavirus if we were up in St. Joe might have been the the wrong argument to make with the NFL because the NFL might have thought that was the problem. So it's hard to know without being in the room with those uh, in those conversations, but that that might be what's going on. The first thought here, I think, for any Chiefs fan is, am I going to get to go? Because I know a lot of people are so diehard that they don't care if they're risking their health. They want to see their Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the answer that we've come to here at Arrowhead Pride, and, and John, you said it first, is probably not. The Chiefs facility is not necessarily built for fans. They may have one-off, two-off fan events. But to tell you the truth, I'm not 100% sure that media is going to be allowed to watch and attend practice this year. So if media isn't going, I don't know how you could have fans in the building. And I think this is something that we wait and see. But if we have to decide right now, I'd say you'd have to wait till 2021 to get your FaceTime with the Chiefs and the autographs and everything. And, And that's even in a hope because we don't know where this thing is going. It's just so uncertain at this point. And I think the hope is that it can be resolved sooner rather than later. Here's one thing. If you're able to get a Chiefs player autograph from a Chiefs player this year, you make sure that they mention in their signature that it was in 2020 because that will make it far more valuable right. in the 
in the market going forward. You see if you can get a, a Kansas City Star paper edition sign. That'll be your key. <laughs> there you go. All right. So I want to move on to Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy did have a media opportunity this week stemming from the third annual quarterback coaching summit that took place Monday and Tuesday of this week. This is the annual summit that promotes diversity in the NFL. I know there were some people unhappy that there were 10 teams in the league not represented at this thing, which is not a, a sign in a positive direction. But of course, the Chiefs have one of their faces as part of this summit. Eric Bieniemy, he's sort of become this de facto face of the Rooney Rule because he's interviewed seven times over the past two off seasons and has come up empty-handed. And a lot of people feel that less qualified coaches have been hired. And I think they have a very good point. But the great thing about Bieniemy is he really does seem to be taking this in stride. Steve Weich of NFL Network interviewed him as part of NFL Total Access, asking about what he's learned over these past two years. I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I've gained a, an enormous amount of information from interviewing from a number of teams. Every interview is different, but uh, I believe that they're looking for something. They already have a, uh, an idea of what they want. It's my job as the interviewer. Uh, the guy that's going in the interview for the job, it's my job to convince them and sell them on my vision and my philosophy and how I see our organization being ran in the future. But one thing I thought uh, this whole panel, I thought they did a great job of explaining what they were looking for. Eric Bieniemy, I think, is handling this really smart. He has his answers prepared for these type of questions. You can tell that. But the fact of the matter is Rooney Rule can change. Everything can change. Right now, the owner's decision is in the owner's hands. And I think he's still playing those cards to say, let me put myself in the best possible chance here because there's finally going to be a team, hopefully, I think we all have our fingers crossed, that finally gives him his well-deserved opportunity. Yeah, I would hate to be in his shoes right now to yeah. be the poster child of this whole thing. And you uh, can tell he doesn't want to be that. Right, right. And and so I feel bad for Eric Bieniemy because... He's a great coach and he deserves to be evaluated merely on his merit instead of with all this other stuff worked in. But, you know, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. You don't always get to choose the situation that you're in. You always you don't always get to choose the ideal moment to advance in your career. That's just the way it happens sometimes. So we'll wish him the best on this. My gut tells me, my gut tells me he'll do this year in Kansas City. It'll be another successful year for the Chiefs offense. And then you'll see him in gangrene next year after Gase is fired and they need a complete restart, a complete culture change. To me, there would be no one better for that than Eric Bieniemy. I hope that happens. I hope he's able to land with the New York Jets. Gase is, is there again. He probably shouldn't be this year, but the Jets didn't want to have that turnover. I predict another horrible, messy year in New York. And then I hope the enemy can land there and direct the Jets in, in the right direction as long as it doesn't come at, at the expense, of course, of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the enemy was happy to tell Weich that he, he's being patient here. You know what? I've, I've always been a patient man. And, and first of all, let me just share this. I get an opportunity to work with Coach Andy Reid, you know, Brett Veach, Mark Donovan, our president, and then our owner, Clark Hunt. So I have nothing to, to worry about. In order to get a job, you got to make sure that you're doing your job. So I'm blessed and fortunate to be in the situation that, I, that I'm in. And on top of that, the only thing I know, Steve, is the grind. And when the timing is right, it will be right. And it has to be a great fit. 
So being patient, I have no problem with that. The only thing I know how to do is to continue chopping wood and everything will work out for his, uh, for the best when it's all said and done with. The enemy, of course, referencing that chop wood, carry water type of mentality where you can really only control what you could control. And even in this situation, you get a little bit of a glimpse of why the players love him so much. He asks a lot of them, but at the same time, you can understand why there's, there's so much respect there. Yeah, that chopping wood reference is something that the players use all the time. It reflects his background as a player. And as you say, the, the reason why he's so popular with them, he really understands how they think and how they approach their jobs. And that's the reason he's so popular with the players. I like the idea of him going to New York. I just, I just wonder if the media will eat him alive. The last thing I would want to do if I were an NFL coach was coaches in, in New York. <laughs> way easier said than done, but the way that you handle New York is win. Because yeah. if, you, if you can win, and, and, and Belichick is in a perfect example of this because New England is similar. I mean, with the high demand yeah. for, mm-hmm. for success. And if you can win, you could kind of say whatever you want. Where, he, where We see that in Kansas City. I'll be the first to say, sometimes you're in an Andy Reid press conference. He's so locked in on the game, you could just tell he wants to get through it and you're not able to really get a meaningful story out of it. That's okay with fans because guess what? The Chiefs are in the playoffs every single year. Last year, they won the Super Bowl. It's even going to be better slash worse in a sense this year. I'm okay with that. I, it's not a, not a big deal. But again, a big asterisk there is if you go to New York, if you're going to be the quote-unquote savior of the Jets after what will probably go down as a gase disaster, you're going to have to have to win. Want to turn the page to the only quote in this interview that was a little bit less about the enemy and more about the Chiefs and their offseason. And I thought this was a an interesting tidbit that was a little bit buried by the more important news that we just talked about. But listen to this change that the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy made because of the virtual offseason. The thing that we 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 want to do is to make sure that everybody is receiving the message properly. One thing uh, we did as a staff, I mean, we diversify how we did our installs. So, uh, you know, me and coach talked, we thought it was a great idea when we would install. Uh, I do uh, the bulk of the plays and then get all the other uh, individual coaches involved as well, which gave them some exposure, which held the attention of our players. Uh, and I'll say this, uh, although that we're living in this world of the pandemic and the virtual world, this offseason has been a grind. The best thing about being at home, and it's probably the worst thing because obviously we have a family, there is no shutoff mechanism. Normally you leave work, you go home, you lay down, you go to sleep. <laughs> well, when you're at home, you have nothing but time. You find time to get creative. And and I'll say this, it is it has been a challenge because we all have been living in the same circumstance. And I know that it's been trying times for many people, and I want to be sensitive to what's taking place in our world. But the best thing about it is that it's forced me to look at different ways of doing things. When I had some extra time, some additional time, because I don't sleep very well at times, I wake up in the middle of the night and just watch different teams or study different uh, colleges and what they're doing. So it's, it's helped me. And I always will say this, sometimes without some unfortunate luck, we wouldn't have any good luck at all. So I, I, I tried to make the very most of the opportunity for enhancing it for me to benefit me and in, in, in what I was doing and, and my thought process and studying and just becoming a better coach. The idea of the enemy 
in the month of May and June watching college tape to try to find new plays is just amazing. But I think it's part of the reason why you saw a play like the Rose Bowl parade in the Super Bowl, which was a, a key play to the, the Chiefs winning that game. How he's not a head coach by now is insane to me. I, I do want to highlight the point, though, that he made at the beginning where the Chiefs, I think because of the Zoom environment, broke it up. Maybe they all install plays in the same room at the same time, but instead it, it sounded more like a hierarchy where Andy Reid showed Eric Bieniemy, who showed the assistant coaches, and they, on the offensive side of the football, installed them virtually. My guess is because in smaller sessions with Zoom, it's a little bit easier to highlight and answer questions. But in that, that takes a lot of trust for A, Andy Reid to have in Bieniemy, and then B, Bieniemy to have in his staff. I, I, I can only relate to what I know. It's not easy when you're running a website to start to divide things and trust people and take time off and things like that. But that, again, just speaks to the trust that, that Andy Reid has in, in Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I, I, as I was listening to him speak about his routine during this period, I couldn't help but think, welcome to my world, Eric right. Bieniemy. You know, this is, this is my life. I wake up at two o'clock in the morning because I can't sleep and I'm in here puddling around with... NFL stuff. So, you know, this is this is very familiar to me. You know, I've lived in this kind of a world for quite a while now. I, I could really relate to what he was saying. You know, we've heard players talk when we've had the limited opportunities to speak to players in this offseason about getting a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with the coaches. And I think that that's been a positive thing. And it sounds like that's one of the the offshoots of what the enemy was describing, that they got it a little more granule down to smaller groups of players, if not individual players, which helps them personalize the install a little more than you could in a meeting environment and also allows you to really gauge how well the players are picking it up because that's going to be the only benefit you get from this offseason so far in terms of how well you can evaluate players is how well they seem to be picking it up. So this is really kind of a genius move from the enemy, in my view, from based on what he's saying. And I have two key players to watch in this this year, too. For me, it's McCole Hardman, who mm -hmm. I would guess is going to have a slightly expanded role, if not significantly expanded role. And then Clyde, who this is all new to. And Danian Tomlinson, this was his quote this week. You don't draft a running back in the first round to not have him start. And I think that's so true. They took him at number 32. They took him high so that no other team could get him. And LaDainian Tomlinson continued, this is still a complex offense, but I leave the type of offense they run. It's a lot of shotgun stuff. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the type of guy you want in that offense. He reminds LaDainian of Maurice Jones-Drew. He also said, as time goes on, this young man will start to see more and more success and you can't keep him off the field. So Clyde making sure that he has a really good understanding of the playbook going into whenever training camp begins right now, that date is July 25th will be, will be huge and giving him an opportunity to really, I think have some more one-on-one -on -one time with a guy like Dylan McCullough will help him a little bit more along than being in this grand setting where you have the entire offense in what would be the same zoom room. I don't envy the coaches. This is probably a nightmare having to teach these plays, especially with how complicated we hear Andy Reed runs his plays and the offense having to do that that away from the facility when you're, it can be really hands-on and show guys different things. It must be a really, really tough task. But they all talk about it as if they've adjusted to it well. 
Right. They all speak of it as if it's been in some ways, not always, but in some right. ways, a blessing. So we'll just see how this plays out. Speaking of the NFL and how this thing is going to play out, we got the first unfortunate cancellation. Well, I don't know if it's unfortunate. I'm going to be honest with you. The first cancellation on Thursday morning from Adam Schefter, the Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers preseason opener at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, also known as the Hall of Fame game on August 6th, is being canceled. And the Hall of Fame's enshrinement ceremony on August 8th is being postponed. League sources told ESPN. I don't love the Hall of Fame game. I wish that there wasn't a Hall of Fame game. I think the enshrinement ceremony is enough. So I don't think this is a big loss for the league. Where it is significant to me is it's the first cancellation. And we hadn't really seen that quite yet. Mm -hmm. Yes, many camps were canceled, but they were still able to accomplish something as we just spoke about virtually. This is the first thing that feels real where the disease really derailed the NFL's plans and one of really what I would call their yearly institutions. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. The game is generally not much. I mean, it's awful, basically awful basically, game. Basically played on a high school field. I mean, one year was canceled it, due to paint. <laughs> it is the epitome of a joke game in in the NFL. I think it's worse than the Pro Bowl because there are moments in the Pro Bowl. One that comes to mind was when uh, Derek Johnson hit Jamal, which was a (laughs) a odd memory for Chiefs fans. But there are moments in the Pro Bowl that are are fun. Uh, You were watching to see if Mahomes got the MVP two years ago. He ended up getting it, uh, robbing it from the sausage. The Hall of Fame game is just, to me, a colossal waste of time. So this isn't a huge loss when it comes to that in the NFL, but it, it is a sign of the times. And John, this brought something to your mind. You were telling me off air earlier this morning when you think about how different owners will handle these really, really unique circumstances. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but wonder if the, uh, the successful teams this season will be the ones that do a little bit more than the NFL is asking. It's one thing for the league to say, we're going to require you to have this rule and this rule and this rule. An example of that being the tiered system for player contact. You have one tier that the players are in and other tiers for other members of the organization. But there's nothing to stop a team from going an extra step. And it's there's a lot at stake here because every coronavirus infection is going to be the equivalent to an injury. And we all know what uh, an impact injuries can have on an NFL season. We could see things ranging from just a a more draconian tier system to actually creating your own bubble for your players, where they're all staying on a couple of floors of a hotel someplace where you have the control over them that you would have during training camp, where they're not going out to restaurants and things like that in the evenings. Now, the players might not go for that, But it would be an extreme example of what a team could do to keep their players from becoming infected. And this could be the difference. You know, even if it was a minor change in what they did, we all know that one or two injuries can make the difference in an NFL season because it's so short. So the teams that take an additional step might have a competitive advantage in 2020. Yeah, you see injuries really impact the Chargers every year. Everybody likes to pick the Chargers on on paper, and then before you blink, 
They have about eight injuries and the season's over. So you're right about that. And the coronavirus will indeed take people off the field from every other sport that you've seen that's tried to come back so far. I wonder about expanded rosters. Do you see a measure by the NFL that says, you know what, you guys can have 70 men this year, legitimately protected on rosters, not talking about a practice squad situation where you could steal somebody. Because if you have 10 guys that are eliminated from contention, you still want to be able to play the football game. I think, you know, with all due respect to you, John, I, I don't, I don't think a bubble is likely only because I know guys won't necessarily want to be separated from their family. As I also brought sure. up to you when we were talking about it before, you know, Clark Hunt could make this really big investment. And then you play a lazier team. I'm sorry, but the Cleveland Browns come to mind. Anything negative always in the NFL. I'm thinking of the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. So let's say you have to play the Browns and there you're not doing anything. And then mm -hmm. you took all these measures, spent all this money, and then half your team gets coronavirus anyway. Like That's why I think the league has these guidelines. It's to say, we need you to do this. Mm -hmm. I've said it a million times, probably sound like a broken record if you like this show, but I think watching the NBA is going to be huge. And I, and I think watching the NHL is going to be huge. How bad is this problem going to be? You know, maybe it's not 70 men. Maybe it's 90 men. Maybe just keep 90 men the entire year. I think you'll see games where you paid to see if fans are allowed, I guess. Again, we're in these weird muddled times, but where you, you end up seeing RG3 versus Chad Henney. And like, that's terrible. But I think you'd rather be watching some kind of football than, than no football. We are in for something that we have no frame of reference for. So there are a lot of different ways this can go. Well, it's going to be very difficult for teams with only training camp for a value for real on-field evaluation of these players to even decide who to keep on the 53. That's going to be a tough call. And it's going to be difficult for these young players who've been drafted and signed as free agents and so on and so forth. It's going to be tough for them. They're, they're not going to have a lot of opportunities if we only have two preseason games or maybe one preseason game for all we know at this point. It's hard for me to imagine they wouldn't let the teams have at least one exhibition game before the season began to, for players to really shut, uh, get that final layer of rust off before the season begins. But it's going to be hard for the teams to decide who to keep and who to let go. And that's an argument for just maintaining the 90-player roster throughout the season. But then you've got the additional layer of what do you do about the salary cap then? Right. You know, it's, it's, it's all a big mess. And there's not much time left no. for the NFL and the NFLPA to agree on these matters. And they're going to have to, just like MLB did. Look how long it took for them to put something together to play a 60-game season. Yeah, and this is something that I always stress too. It was always hard for me to grasp as a fan when I didn't know what was going on and I just had no idea. And I thought this NFL almost had this Wizard of Oz-esque <laughs> feel to it where there's these grand masters and brilliant people. These are real regular people deciding what to do and they have no idea. And sometimes when decisions come down to the last minute, it literally is like a regular office where they're calling each other back and forth. What do we do? What do we do? and then they come to a decision. It's not this scientist lab thing where they have backup plans. It can sometimes be as muddled as you would do in your regular day job. And I think we saw that, for example, with the Mexico game having to be moved to LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's real people. And so I don't know what happens here. 
I hope they don't leave it to the last minute to decide. I don't know how you could do that. It seems like now that they've canceled the game on August 6th, right now it's June 25th. They are getting ahead of it. They are talking to a lot of people. I think you need at least two preseason games. I hate the preseason, but I think you need at least two because you need some time for your starters to get ready. And you need some time to look at the scrubs to decide who will you keep on your Mm -hmm. roster. And that's a good point about the salary cap too. And I I haven't even really seen that anywhere. If they do have to have expanded rosters, how does the salary cap work? You're going to have to figure out the money side of it too. A big mess in the NFL, but there's still some time to figure it out. We'll see what they do. And we'll keep you updated, of course, at OurHeadPride.com. When we come back, we'll go through the yearly ESPN and PFF rankings. That's next on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Thank you for joining us on our Thursday edition. Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, going through right now the ESPN PFF preseason rankings. This is something they do every year before the season even begins. And you might say, oh, the Chiefs are definitely going to be first in this. They're the best team. They're the Super Bowl champions. No, no, they're not. They're number four, actually. So there's three teams ahead of them this year. They were seventh last year. They're fourth this year. First, I'll go through the three teams ahead of them. Baltimore Ravens at one, the New Orleans Saints at two, and the San Francisco 49ers at three. Man, one and three are really good at chap. Chiefs fans' ass, I know that, because the Chiefs were able to knock off the 49ers in the Super Bowl, and the Ravens didn't even make it to the AFC title game. But those are the rankings here. The Chiefs will, of course, see the Ravens and the Saints. That's one and two in the regular season this year. And then what these rankings provide, John, is the biggest strength, the biggest weakness, and the X factor for 2020. So we can go through those as well. Your first take, though, on them being fourth as opposed to number one. It's on paper. I mean, that's the whole problem with any kind of a ranking based on the kind of data that PFF uses, is that it's on paper. It's not the same as playing a game. And, you know, it's useful. It's useful information to know that on paper, the Ravens are a really good team, that the 49ers are a really good team. I think we knew that. But, you know, trying to break down a team in such detail numerically is never something that really tells you about the relative strengths and weaknesses of teams. So I'm not going to put a lot of stock in this. You're right. It'll chap some asses for sure. But it still comes down to getting out there and playing the games. I'm as much of a stat head as anybody. I mean, I'll I'll admit that. But I don't believe that it's the be-all and end-all of information about football teams. It just isn't. Yeah, there's tears in this thing as well. And we're going to post an article on Arrowhead Pride so that people can comment and complain. Uh, But we have... Elite tiers for players, uh, above average tiers for players. There's simply average. For example, a guy that's average on here is Tyron Matthew. 
There's going to be a lot of people that don't agree with that. The only elite player the Chiefs have is Patrick Mahomes. There's going to be a lot of people that don't agree with that. If you're wondering, the above average people are Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Mitch Schwartz, and Chris Jones. This is something that PFF does every year. And you could see why some people believe it, it is a flawed system. I do like the, the descriptions, though. They, they call the Chiefs' biggest strength Patrick Mahomes. A good nugget here is something they call big-time throws. PFF's highest-graded pass attempts based upon ball placement, velocity, targeted depth, and other factors. And they said that Mahomes had 24 big-time throws in 2019. That was eight more than any other quarterback. This lends a little bit, I think, to the Mahomes-Reed debate where maybe he wouldn't be as successful without Reed, and I, I do truly believe that. But this type of stat makes you think he would be a good quarterback elsewhere unless it was a complete disaster. Again, sorry, Cleveland and maybe <laughs> Buffalo before this year because we think Buffalo is going to be better, and that was where Mahomes was supposed to go. But obvious biggest strength for the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, well, at least that's revealed by these uh, by these numbers that they use. Look, one of the problems with PFF, and and I'm not I'm not trying to run PFF down, but let's be honest about what they're talking about. Their rankings don't have anything to do with strength of opponent. It's only about who wins on an individual play in an individual game. That's where those numbers come from. It doesn't matter whether you're playing the New England Patriots or the Kansas City Chiefs or any of the strong teams, or if you're playing the Cleveland Browns. You get the same grade if you win on a play against whatever team you're playing. If you were going to make a ranking that's based on strictly numbers, I would prefer to use DVOA, which at least takes that into account. Right. But it still wouldn't be the final answer because teams match up. There's always matchups in a game that you can't quantify. In the case of Tyron Matthew... Yeah, on the field, he might be something less than elite player, but Matthew's contribution has been much more than what he does on the field. Anybody can see that, but there's no way to measure that. And that's what is the ultimate flaw in these kinds of rankings. Yeah, it's like this too. And I'll I'll use your example at the end. What is the stat for Rashad Fenton's play increasing because Tyron Matthew is there. There is no right. stat for that. Right. There's no stat for that. Right. So now that we've uh, disparaged PFF, let's continue. They're the biggest <laughs> weakness that they have, I'll read it for you. Kansas City did just win the Super Bowl with this cast of cornerbacks, plus Kendall Fuller, who left for Washington in free agency, but that doesn't make it any more of a strength. Bashad Breeland did a decent job of limiting production with just 29 receptions allowed on the season, but his coverage grade of 51.3 indicates that it came with a fair amount of luck. The reception total also doesn't consider his 12 penalties on the season tied for the most at the cornerback position, and then you have the potential suspension following an offseason arrest for Breeland. So that is the weakness for PFF saying they'll miss Fuller and cornerback is weak. Is water wet? This is something that we, we, we know about the Chiefs. They, they, they do need some help at, at that position, and they're going to have to get some of these fringe or who would be considered fringe contributors to maybe step up in bigger roles. That's what Matt Lane's piece today was talking about on narrowheadpride.com is that specific thing is a player like Rashad Fenton stepping up this year as an outside uh, cornerback. A good good write-up from Matt on that subject. 
And then there was the X factor. And John, you'll like this. I know that you are a big Willie Gay fan. Here's what they said about the X factor. The linebacking core has been a problem for the Chiefs, but 2020 second round pick Willie Gay Jr. adds an immediate dose of athleticism and coverage ability to the unit. Beside blowing the athletic testing out of the water at the NFL scouting combine in Indy, Gay has shown instincts and coverage in his limited action at Mississippi State. His 93.9 coverage grade on 294 career coverage snaps in college speaks to that. He could provide a nice spark. So there you go, John. Some validation from PFF, who you, you just complained about. Well, and they do have uh, – their their advanced statistics are often very useful. Yes. You know, they do things that I really like. But it's just important to remember that it isn't the final word and understand what the limitations of the system are. That's what it's about. It's not that I'm down on PFF. I just try to recognize what the limitations of the system are. They can tell you a lot. You just have to take it with the appropriate sized grain of salt. I like Willie Gay. It was really cool to talk to Derek Johnson shortly after the draft who, who watched a little bit of Gay and said that there are some qualities to his game that do remind him of himself. I hope that he could be half the player that Derek Johnson was be because great. the Chiefs yeah. would be in good shape. The X factor for this team, John, you know what I'm going to say here. It's Clyde Edwards-Alaire because if he is what the Chiefs want him to be, I don't. It doesn't. It's going to be like 2018, 2019, all over again. It doesn't matter what the defense is going to do. The Chiefs are going to, for me, revert back to what they were doing when they had someone like that in Kareem Hunt. And of course, you're going to need the defense to win you some games, but largely. The offense is going to be so dominant, at least in my mind, that Gay may have his year to develop into what the Chiefs want him to be. You talk about this dynasty, and you talk about both sides of the football. Linebacker and cornerback seem like the weakness. If you can get them shored up, like the Chiefs were able to do last year, how do they not go back and win the Super Bowl? Unless something drastic happens with coronavirus or other things they can't control. How do you pick against this team if you are someone out of Kansas City? I, I, I just don't know how you do it. Somehow we've taken a left turn into being a Patriots blog. We're starting to talk like them, which is okay with me. <laughs> you know what? This is what fans have wanted for years and years. Yep. And yep. it's here and it's awesome. And enjoy it. And enjoy yep. it. Because I think you're going to see in New England this year, it's going to be a little bit of uncharted territory for them. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's it's not going to be fun. Not having a quarterback, as Chiefs fans know, is not that fun. And so I think this is a time to relish in the fact that you have the best thing going in football. And, and to me, that includes Dallas with Dak and Baltimore with Lamar and so on and so forth. Yeah, go on to your point about uh, Dash, CEH. I think that Willie By the Gay, way, John, not, I, to cut, not to cut you off, but he calls himself Glide, so we're both oh, wrong. We're okay. Clyde the Glide. Oh, all right. Okay. We got to go with the player's <laughs> own nickname, just like Patrick Mahomes. Okay, fine. We don't yes. get to vote. Yes. Sorry, Clyde. Glide. There you go. Allaire. Okay. I think that you make a really good point about Edwards Allaire, but I think that also that if the Chiefs can shore up their weakest part of the defense, that defense is going to be really good. I think that's what we saw at the end of the last season when they figured out how to use the players they had in their best roles. And, you know, uh, Steve Spagnuolo wasn't really clear on what he had until the season was underway. So it's not surprising that the defense got better as the season progressed. Now that he's had a year with these players, knows them intimately, 
and can bring in a player like Willie Gay Jr. or, or maybe some of these other players. I think, you know, Mike Dana is a big question mark in my mind. They, they're really high on this guy. Right. Although his college tape doesn't suggest he's going to be a great player, they're all wild to have him. And so I think if you get an improvement out of the linebacker core, what do you attack on the Chiefs' defense? You know, you you have to deal with this really good offense, even if Edwards Alaire isn't all that and a and a loaf of bread. And yeah, and the thing you got to mention here too, John, is if teams are playing from behind, they become a bit more one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And if the other team is playing one dimensional, the Chiefs' defense, and this wasn't the case in 2018, is now good enough. They right. should shut down the game. Right. 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 I agree with that, especially if they can shore up the linebacker core, which, of course, to me, has always been the, the weakness that we should be concerned about. So you look at the team that, that could go back to the 2018 form and offense, and then you have a defense that's improving and know that Anthony Hitchens was talking top five. Is this going to be fun anymore? Is it, is it okay to say that? <laughs> I, I'm really there. I'm really there. I, I, I'm starting to feel like you might get a lot of blowouts. I wasted my undefeated prediction last year, but you know, as we're talking about this, you have to wonder that. So that's that. Want to get quickly to something off the field, and that is that Patrick Mahomes joined LeBron James in his effort this week for morethanavote.org. And this aligns with what Mahomes is doing with Tyron Matthew in Kansas City, where they're trying to promote voter registration. Somehow saw some pushback from, from people online. I, I don't know what the problem is with trying to get more people to vote. I think that is a, a really, really good thing for, for this country and this world. And, and our staff is behind Mahomes and his efforts. And, and we're excited that, that he's taking this on. And rather than just saying something, this is a, a legitimate way to provide some action. And to see Mahomes aligned with who a lot of people consider the NBA's best player. There, there's real power in that because they speak to a lot of people through the prism of sports and good that they're using it for good. One king and another king standing shoulder to shoulder. I on said on issue. Instagram, I'm proud of myself for this, but I wrote goats got to vote. And I, I think that they should take <laughs> it. I don't need any compensation. Go ahead, use it. It's a great <laughs> hashtag. We all want our 15 minutes of fame on social media, don't we? Well, I, I'm not even asking for credit. They could use it if they want. This is my sign-off. You know, you, bring, this, bring this recording to court when I change my mind in about three years. First, when, folks. when you make a ton of t-shirt money on it. Pete's giving up his intellectual property willingly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> not for everything. Don't steal all my ideas, but for that one, you could have. As they say, John, everyone gets one free. So I think this is great that the teams, uh, the, the, the players are trying to stand for something that they believe in. You may not agree with it. I don't see how you disagree with increasing voter registration, getting more people to vote. I just don't understand why that's even controversial, but some people see it that way. Okay. You got your opinion, but I I'm glad that the Mahomes at least is focusing this just on something that is a pretty bipartisan thing. I'd be I'd be unhappier with it if it was a strictly partisan view that he was promoting. But I think voting is something everybody should be able to get behind. When we come back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, we'll wrap the week up with the best Chiefs thing I heard all week. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, wrapping up the week, June 25th. Pretty soon here, we'll be into July, Independence Day. And before you blink, if everything remains on schedule, we will be back to football before you know it. Want to get to the best Chiefs thing I heard all week, which is one of my favorite things to do. And Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, he appeared on the Ringers Slow News Day. And this was an exchange between him and the host regarding the Madden team that he likes to use nowadays. I don't know whoever the best team is. I, I like the Chiefs. I go, I go along who the best team is on Madden. I don't like losing, so that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Wait, do, do you choose the Chiefs even even now? Or do you choose oh, not, not, no, I play, I play okay. on my team. Now, now okay. if, somebody, if somebody tell me they only can play with me, then I'll get the Chiefs. So there you go. Lamar Jackson likes to use the Chiefs on Madden. He walked it back when there was a question, but you could tell it seems like to me that he fires up the game and picks the Chiefs instead of himself. Did it not sound like that, John? It does sound exactly like that. I got to tell you, though, after listening to that uh, many times, some of these NFL players, in fact, a lot of people who appear on Zoom calls regularly that are in the public eye, need to work on finding better spaces to do them in because these reverberant rooms that some of these people are in, you can barely understand what they're saying. It's difficult for us. It's all about us, of course, to transcribe these interviews. No doubt about it. That's that's 100%. It is all about us. You got to keep that in mind. But yes, no, you're, you're right. You're right. 100%. I, I think the NFL has enough money where with these remote pressers with the reigning MVP of the league, it would be worth sending him like a Baltimore Ravens backdrop. And also too, you could send him a mic. We've actually seen the Chiefs do that with with BJ and Matt, my friend BJ, mm-hmm. my former partner with Chiefs.com and, and Matt McMullen. They have Chiefs backgrounds. Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey, they, they are in their shoe closet. So that that's interesting as well. They both sounded pretty good in in their shoe closets, actually. It wouldn't be a bad environment. I saw something on one of the news networks one time where the guy was in his bathroom. I mean, it couldn't have been more obvious that he was in his bathroom, probably because it was the quietest room in the house. He's working from home. You know, the kids are underfoot or whatever. So I understood why he was in there, but it was like, this is weird. You can, I mean, you could kill two birds, two birds with one stone. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, let's hope not. (laughs) Back to Jackson here quickly. I got to have a talk with him. Patrick Mahomes, when he gets on the field, Mr. Jackson, is a stone cold killer. He's a killer. If you are ever going to beat him in a meaningful game, you have to stop this attitude of the Chiefs are good. I don't want a rivalry. I use the Chiefs. It's fun to use Mahomes. You don't have to hate the guy off the field, but when you get on the field, you have to kill this guy. I don't want to say this with absolute certainty. I just feel that Mahomes has a little bit more of that fire in his belly to be the best than Jackson does. I don't think Mahomes would ever, even if the situation was reversed, right? Would Mahomes ever admit in a public eye that he uses the Ravens in Madden. And I know it's small. I know I'm being a little picky here. I'm nitpicking. 
I just don't, it blows my mind that Jackson would get on and say, I use the chiefs and admit that. I don't know. Maybe I'm old fashioned. I agree with you. I remember last season in the playoff game against the Texans, what was Patrick Mahomes doing when the chiefs were down by 24 points? He was going up and down the sidelines, firing his team up. I mean, he was totally in charge. He was going to each individual player. He was, he was on fire on the sidelines. When the Ravens were behind in their playoff game, what was Lamar Jackson doing? He was sitting on the end of the bench. And that right there is the difference in the competitive spirit between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And it's just, uh, uh, this is just another example of how Jackson doesn't seem to get it the same way that Mahomes does. And all credit to Jackson. He's a great right. player. But he doesn't have that killer instinct. And Mahomes is the best version of that. And I'll give mm-hmm. you yeah. this example, too. He would never say in a press conference, what were you guys doing during the draft? Yeah. He's on the field. The Stone Cold killer switches on, and he counts his fingers after the touchdown to make sure that Chicago knows that they made the wrong decision in taking Mitch Trubisky. That was such a moment, and he would never admit it after game, but everybody knows what he was doing. And that is what I'm talking about. It's that stone-cold killer mentality, and the great thing about it is he doesn't have to get on the mic like Baker Mayfield, really killing the Browns in this episode, like Baker Mayfield, and tell people about it. He leaves that on the field. So, All right, that wraps up our Thursday edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. We appreciate you guys joining us. Seeing a lot of comments and ratings and reviews. Let us know what we're doing right or wrong. Please rate us five stars if you would. If you want to reach us, you can get me at PG Sween, John's at Arrowhead Phones. You can, of course, mention at Arrowhead Pride if you want to contact us via the main hub. Of course, keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com for all your Chiefs news and notes. The next podcast we'll have is Monday with another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory. We will be back with you on Tuesday. We'll talk to you then.